0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for the sweet spirit that's here. And we can glorify you. We can know you. That's why we're here today. Lord, that's why we're watching online. We're not watching online because it's an event and something we're supposed to do. We're watching online because we want to know you and we want to glorify you. That's why we're here in person, to know you and to glorify you. So that whether we're done watching online or whether we go out into the world, when we go out into the world, we can take your glory and the knowledge of who you are and share it with others. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your presence here today. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much, Gina. And uh, I am just excited for Grow Groups to kick back in. And to get started again, um, I know COVID, is, COVID has been relentless, but I know a God that's even more relentless, right? Sometimes I think we forget that he is, in the Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, right? He is Jehovah Nisi, the God who is a warrior, and we must never forget that he is a God who wars on our behalf and provides on our behalf and that we can rest assured in that, that regardless of what we face, whether it's internally or externally, he is a God that is going to war and be victorious, and he's a God that's gonna provide for us. amen. 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 All right, I'm gonna need your participation as we get started this morning, so if you're watching online, thank you for watching online. I am grateful that you're watching. I want you to participate with us. I want everybody to say, What organization, if you have a job uh, where you work, um, or if you're a part of another organization, I want you to give me the name of it on the count of three, out loud. It's okay if it's a bit chaotic. All right? One, two, three. That was very chaotic. Was it not? In fact, I only heard like two or three things out of all of that. How many of you, whether it was your job or whether it was a a club or some association, how many of you would say that that's who you are, that's your identity? Let me see your hands. Nobody? Nobody says, I am Meyer, I am State Farm, I am First Merchants, I am Pendleton Schools, I am LaPel Schools. Nobody says, I am that? That's all right. If you're a fan of a team, do you say I am a Colt? I am. Is that your identity? I am a Bear, right? Um, is that is that your identity? No. In fact, if you went and told somebody, if you went and told somebody, yes, I am Ford. They'd look at you like you're weird. Would they not? then what do we do when we say, I am the church? Uh-oh. What just happened? You all got quiet on me. didn't think you were going to have to think on Sunday morning, did you? Oh, man, he's going to make me think. I am going to make you think. And today you're gonna, today, I hope you're going to be inspired and you're going to have to think. Right? And then you're going to take it out and you're going to share it with the world and those that don't know Christ. So this organization that you named... You're not a part, that's not you, right? Nobody raised your hand, so nobody agrees that that is who you are. If you got your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just going to look at two verses this morning, because the Bible tells us something very different about the church. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 and 28. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. And so he says there, he says right off in verse 27, he says, Now you are what? The body of Christ. That, my friend, is an identity statement. I am the body of Christ. So let's try this, okay? On the count of three, I want everybody to say, I am the body of Christ. Okay? One, two, three. I am the body of Christ. That's an identity statement. That's who you are, which means then every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every action, everything must identify with what the Bible says the body of Christ is, or there's a disconnect and a disjoint in your life. Now, I don't have to remind you of the disconnected and the things that are out of joint in your life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will convict you of that. You know when things aren't right. You sense it like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have acted that way. Maybe I shouldn't have done that thing to that person or said that to that person. Maybe I shouldn't be thinking this. I shouldn't be feeling this. The Bible says I shouldn't be feeling this, and yet I am. So something's disjointed, right? Something's disjointed. This is an identity statement. And when something doesn't identify with your identity, it doesn't fit right, does it? It doesn't seem right. It seems kind of odd. It seems... Out of place and yet paul says this is your identity this is who you are now there are other identity statements in the scriptures and i think this is why a lot of times we come to church and we read the bible and we pop bible verses like pills i had this conversation with someone that just yesterday we tend to say okay i I don't i don't feel happy so i need to feel happy i need to feel joyous i need to and i need and i need i need and we crave and crave and crave because we don't know who we are let me ask you something When I go home today and I sit down and I watch football, so you know what I'm doing today, right? Which one of those players in the locker room before he takes the field says, yeah, I'm just not feeling it today? Which one of the big behemoth 350 pound defensive tackles in the middle of the defensive line goes, you know, I'm feeling like fast like a wide receiver today. I think I'll just start running down. No. And you know why you're laughing? It's because you, in your mind, have the picture of the big lineman that recovers the fumble and starts trucking downfield, right? (laughs) Laughing about it until the running back or the wide receiver, one of the fast guys, catches up to him, right? Well, he doesn't do that in the locker room because it doesn't fit his identity. Do you see what I'm saying? The way way he thinks about himself is all revolved around his identity. And so, if I understand who and what I am in Christ, then when I get out on the field and face Satan, I don't worry about that stuff. I go out and do my job. I go out and do what I'm supposed to do because this is my identity. And my identity is, I am the church. And And I do what I'm supposed to do. Some other identity statements in scripture, you can just write these down. John chapter 1, verse 12, I am more than a conqueror. John 1, 12, you are more than a conqueror. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, Soretta, I am more than a conqueror. She's like, oh my gosh, she said my name, right? (laughs) I am more than a conqueror. If you're watching online, you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am more than a conqueror. That's an identity statement. How about another identity statement? Romans 6, 6. I am crucified with Christ. Now that's not part of our identity we often don't like to associate with, right? Because that's an ugly picture. I'm crucifying myself. That's painful. I'm crucifying my desires, my wants, for what he wants and what he desires. And sometimes... Again, those are out of alignment. And so that's an identity statement that I am crucified. Romans twelve Romans fifteen, seven. I am accepted by God. All your fears, all your failures, all your faults, everything that's disjointed from scripture as your Christian identity, you are still accepted by God. Romans fifteen, verse seven. So every time that you face a challenge in life, you need to go to the back of your Bible, look up who and what you are, and say, no, this is who I am. I know my feelings and my thoughts tell me something different, but the Bible says this is who I am. This is who I am. I am crucified with Christ. My old lusts and my old desires and my old way of living is crucified and done away with. This is me. So thought life, line up to it. Desires, line up to it. Feelings, line up to it. Everything lines up to my identity in Christ. And if something is disjointed, well, then I need to get working on it. Why? Not because I have to and because I'm supposed to, but because I love God and I know that his identity for me is better than any identity that I could give myself or that the world could identify with me with. Are you with me? And so my identity is in Christ. Verse 27 is an identity statement. Okay, I think we got that, right? You guys good with that part of it? I think we've got that. Now, when he says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, I love this word. It's melos. It's M-E-L-O-S, melos. It means a part of a bigger whole. Part of a bigger whole. In fact, in antiquity, it was used to describe the inner workings of a warship and all of the people inside of a warship or all of the people inside of a battalion or inside the military, each had their part. Right? You had your rifleman, you had your medic, you had, I don't know, whatever was all in a battalion. I was never in the military. Later, right? But, like, in a battleship, this doesn't mean This word doesn't mean the the outer casing and the deck and the outward structure of the battleship, necessarily, of the warship. It means all of the inner workings, right? So the engine room and all of the intricate parts of the engine room. It means the mess hall and all the intricate parts of the mess hall. And it means where they sleep where they'd go to bed at night and they'd sleep. And all of the intricate parts that make that battleship work, that's what this word means. And so Paul says, you are the church, you or you are the body of Christ. You are in, you are a part of, and everything about you is a part of the body of Christ. Some of you might be in the mess hall. Some of you are like, yes, I like that part. Some of you might be in In the engine room, some of you prefer that part. Some of you might be loading torpedoes. Some of you like, yes, I like that part. Some of you might be reading the maps. But everybody has a different part to play. This is what the word part of means. It means that you are not the whole, but you are a part of the whole. And you make this thing work, and you make this thing function, and your gifts and your skill set and your talent make this thing that we call the body of Christ work so when Richard stands up and says hey we're gonna have some need for people to work in children's ministry yes I get to go into the bowels of the ship how's come only one of you said yes with me on that (laughs) right I can tell you from experience that I know people that I tapped on the shoulder years ago and said, hey, we need some help with the children's church. Would you go work with them? And he's like, ah, it's not really for me. And then when it came time for him to leave because he got promoted at his job and they moved him closer to Cleveland, he was tearing up not over leaving the adults. He was tearing up over leaving the kids. He went from, yeah, (laughs) mm -mm," to just a few years later going, miss those kids yeah I'm gonna miss you pastor but I'm gonna miss the kids. <laughs> yeah, I get it God's gonna work in your life and I'm okay with that right and so you might be sitting there thinking that's ah, not for me but you don't know what's inside of you you don't know what's inside of you until the Holy Spirit begins to work with you and to begin to use you let's let's look at this on an individual level all of us are uniquely designed right there's no human being that's ever been identical even identical twins are not truly identical and there's a part of every human being that exists I referenced just a few minutes ago during worship your imagination now some people's imagination is bigger and some people's imagination is smaller but everybody has an imagination right everybody Richard's like oh goody this is kids church time And shame on us adults for thinking, oh, when he talks about imagination, he's talking about kids. Because I can name you some people that didn't lose their imagination. People like Jeff Bezos, who founded Amazon, Zuckerberg, who founded Facebook, Edison, who patented the light bulb, right? you adults that didn't lose their imagination I can tell you even that Albert Einstein said of all the knowledge you could get never lose your imagination because it is more powerful than knowledge Albert Einstein said that ideas innovations desires all stem from imagination Romans six thirteen tells us though as as the body of Christ and as an individual in Romans six we're not to offer any part of ourself as an instrument of wickedness any part of yourself he's not talking about your physical parts I mean yes he is talking about that he's talking about as a whole don't offer your imagination to wickedness so when the professor gives you an assignment that you hate don't imagine throwing the professor into a pit full of alligators don't imagine the person that just cut you off on the interstate just don't let your imagination go there, because Paul says in Romans 6.13, do not offer parts of you, whether it be your mind and your thoughts or your body. Right? So, Colossians 3.5 says that we are to put to death our earthly nature, our natural man that wants to rebel against God, go against God. The writer of Colossians says to put to death that earthly nature, that earthly nature. What's he say to put to death? What's he associate with earthly nature? Well, he, ass- he associates sexual immorality, impurity, ungodliness, uh, lust. And where does all this stuff take root? Imagination. And so just one part of you, just, just the imaginative part of you, just the imaginative part of you is owned by God. So if you start using your imagination, what would it look like? How bad could the Colts be the Jags today? What would that look like? Right? Okay. Use it. But don't use it bad. Right? Use it for good. Use it to be healthy. And so verse 27, Paul's really telling us that you and every part of you, even you're down to your imagination, every part of you is a part of the body of Christ. And it's to work together. He says, you're a part of it. You're in the intricacy. You're in the bowels of it. You keep this thing moving. You keep this thing going afloat. You keep it pushing forward. And in verse 28, getting more into who is the church. In verse 28, and God has placed in the church. This is the Greek word, ekklesia. Compound Greek word, ekklesia. Ek means out. Klesia means to call. It means to call one out from. So what are we called? What are you being called out from? I know that when dinner was ready, a mom would stand on the back porch and she'd yell, "Hi!" She didn't know where I was. She just yelled for me. And she was calling me out to come home. That's exactly what this word is. God is calling us out from the world. And calling us to be a part of something different. But when someone is calling, when ecstasy is happening, when God is calling, there's two things that are happening. One, someone is calling, God. And someone is receiving the call and obeying. Mama could have called for me to come home for dinner. But guess what? I didn't have to hear it or do it. Now, there would have been consequence, and there's consequence when God calls us and we don't obey. But I knew that if I didn't want to suffer the consequence, I better get my rear end home, right? And so two things have to happen. One person has to call. The person hearing it has to receive it and obey it. There's two things that have to happen. And the one who does the calling has authority over the one he calls. When mama called me home for dinner, she had authority over me. When God calls you, he has authority over you. That's the call. And so when we come together as the body of Christ in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through, I'm getting ahead of myself. When we come together as the ecclesia, as the called out ones, we're coming together as the body of Christ saying we've been called out from everything that's out there. This is the church. This is your identity. I am the church. I am not a part of the world. I don't take the easy way out. I do what God's called me to do so that when God calls me out, I go do it. That's who you are. Does that make sense? Just, just this week, I heard, I, I heard somebody say, I love watching church online. It's just so easy to stay in my bed and watch. Now, I get it for health reasons and pandemic, etc. But if you're not willing to do the difficult thing, you have to ask yourself, how committed am I to obeying my Lord? That's a hard, that's a, that's hard to swallow. Now, if you're watching online, I'm not saying that you're staying home and you're lazy. I'm simply saying in our world as it is right now, you may feel like staying home and watching online for safety reasons. I get that. But when COVID washes through and it will wash through, You're going to be left with a choice. All of us are going to be left with a choice. Am I choosing to tell the rest of the world, nope, I'm getting my rear end up, I'm going to church, I am the ecclesia, this is my identity? Or will I just sit at home and say, well, I'm just going to watch, or I can just watch it on Wednesday, or I can watch it when I get home, and da, 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 and we know, statistics are telling us. People that do that, there's a cliff, statistically, there's a steep cliff where you stop engaging, we know that so that's who you are you are the called out ones to make this function now i want to close with a final thought because our question today is who and what is the church now i could point to very simply the what is well the what is you're the body of christ but i want to go deeper than that and i want to in in romans chapter 5 verses 12 through 21 hang with me just a few more minutes In Romans chapter 12, uh, I'm sorry, Romans, Romans 5, 12 through 21, Romans 5, 12 through 21, Paul tells the church at Rome, he says, listen, God designed the planet, he put humanity on it, and he came, you know, he walked with Adam, he was with Adam in the cool of the day, in the garden. Adam decided to go his own way, to do his own thing. God's design From the get go, was that earth would mirror heaven, that earth would be a mirror heaven, and earth and heaven would work together. That was always his original design. You don't only see that in Genesis, but you see it throughout, a theme throughout Scripture. In fact, when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you see that God does not obliterate the earth or humanity, He restores it so that heaven and earth again may literally work together. But in between that time, what did he do? Well, he set up the Jewish people as to be a nation of priests to the world, and so he sets up this thing called the temple, right? And on planet Earth, on planet Earth, everything that God designed is comprised within three things: time, space, and matter. Are you with me? Time, space, and matter. Okay? So when man sinned, the unity that heaven had with earth was separated. But God said, I will not be without representation. So he found the Jewish people, created the temple. Are you with me? The temple in the Old Testament is where heaven and earth meet. If you have two circles, the temple would be right there in the middle where the two overlap. That was God's plan until Jesus comes along to fulfill the law. And now we are the temple. But still, earth operates in time, space, and matter. Space, when we think about space, not the cosmos and the galaxies, but geographic location, the temple was where God chose the Ark of the Covenant to sit, for his presence to sit. That was his space, okay? Of all of the matter in the universe, humanity is at the pinnacle. You'll see where this is going. Humanity is the pinnacle of all matter that he created. And of time, in the the scope of time, the pinnacle of time is the Sabbath. Sabbath the day of rest the pinnacle of space is the temple the temple the, the pinnacle of matter is humanity and the pinnacle of time is the sabbath and what happens on the sabbath time space and matter converge to glorify god the pinnacle of location and, and space the pinnacle of time and the pinnacle of matter all converge to glorify god so that heaven and earth and all that god created come together as one let's bring it forward to the New Testament when we come to a church service when we come to you say but I I, the Bible says I'm the temple yes you do house the Holy Spirit but the earth that we live on still operates in time space and matter so what is the church the church is coming together What is a church service, I should say, right? What is a church service? A church service is the coming together of God's pinnacle of all of the matter he created. It's the pinnacle of humanity coming together. Of all time, it's still the Sabbath. And of the pinnacle of space, the building and the location that we choose to gather in, the body of Christ, becomes holy and sacred. And so you have the culmination of time, space, and matter so that when we come together, the pinnacle of all of everything that God designed and keeps our physical universe together, it all comes together on the Sabbath in a church service. And so that heaven invades earth, that we come together as one, as the pinnacle of God's creation. We get on a Sunday morning between the fellowship and the music and the sermon and and everything that goes on on a Sunday morning Is a as 1st Corinthians 13 12 says we see in a, a we see dimly in reflection of what heaven will be like and so to say that well I, I can be a Christian and not go to church is simply to say that I can I don't need to be a part of the pinnacle of time space and matter in my Creator's eyes that's quite defiant Are you with me? I know I just went deep, but are you with me? So when we say, well, I'm a Christian, I don't need to go to church, and the writer of Hebrews simply says, listen, you need to spur one, you need to spur one another on to attend church. You need to keep, and he says, even as the days grow darker, you need to be encouraging each other more to attend church and to be there in person, the pinnacle of time, space, and matter in God's eyes. This is where we need to be. You see, you can go to a ball game, that's time, space, and matter, but it's not ordained by God. And you can take the Holy Spirit with you, but it's not ordained by God. The reason attending church, what is the church, the reason it matters to attend is because it's taking all that we are and bringing it together for two things, to glorify God and to know God. It's not to make me feel good. That's a byproduct. It's not some moralistic teaching. That's a byproduct. Right? It's not, going to church is not about experiencing the music. It's not about experiencing the friendship. It's not about experiencing some intellectual learning. Those are all byproducts of knowing and glorifying God. So that when you come to church, I'm coming to glorify God, to know God, to be built up with the saints. So that when I go out there, as we'll see next week in Ephesians chapter 4, so that when I go out there, I can win them to Christ. we thought that we should bring them to church, and then the pastor will get them saved. Pastor, can you you come over and talk to so-and-so? Yeah, I can, but that, technically my job is to build you up to go out there because more can be saved if we're built up in here and then go out versus going out and trying to get them to come in and make this for them. More people will be saved by you going out than by them coming in. Why have we allowed church to become something of, well, get them in, get them in, get them in? Ephesians chapter 4, as we're going to see next week, doesn't say that. Your job is to go out there, win them to Christ. They say, well, I want to be called out. I want to be at the pinnacle of God's creation of time, space, and matter. Now, of course, it is influenced and it is marred by sin. When we come together, we all bring our sinful parts in. This is why church is also a hospital. We're all bleeding in some way. We all have skeletons in our closet in some way. It's there, but we love one another regardless Church is a simply a microcosm of heaven. You have a responsibility placed on you by God to go out and be the church. Let me close with this illustration. Thanks, Richard. The balloon, right? There was, so that when we come together, hopefully this will help pull all this together. There was some team building going on with a company and they were pulled into a room and they were said, we want you to write your name on a balloon. As you're writing your name on your balloon, should you pop it, you're out. Well, some wrote their names successfully. Some started to write and they popped the balloon. The instructor said, okay, I tell you what, I'll give you a second chance. Isn't that like God? We start to write our name on what God's given us. Well, this is me. God said, no, 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 that's not really you. That's who you think you are. So we start to, they started a second time to write their name, and they said, now, the second time, though, if you write your name on it and you pop it, you are out, out, no coming back. Well, they did that. And the instructor said, okay, I'd like for everybody to leave the room. I'd like for everybody to leave the room, and uh, I'm going to take all the balloons with everybody's names on them, and I'm going to put them all over the room. While they were out, the instructor also brought in hundreds of more balloons into the room with nobody's name on them. And the instructor said, okay, come on back in, and I want everybody to find the balloon with your name on it. And after 15 minutes... Nobody could find their balloon. The instructor said, "Okay." Instructor said, "Okay. Well, tell you what. Everybody leave the room again. So, what do you do? I mean, they got to find their balloon, right? Everybody's got to go home with the balloon, right, Richard? It's like children's church. Everybody's got to go home with something." (laughs) And so he said. The instructor walked out and he said, "Now this time, when you go in the room." I don't want you to find the balloon with your name on it i just want you to find a balloon with a name on it And in less than two minutes everybody had their balloon with their name on it that's church hey i see you're struggling here can i help hey can we go have coffee let's read the word of god together hey can i Let's get some of our unsaved friends to come over and play cards together Or let's go out to eat with some of our unsaved friends and let's all begin to work together So that more can be done in two minutes than could ever have been done in 15 minutes each trying to do our own thing That's what the world needs to see right now is a group of people working together that are called out in the bowels of the ship working together each doing their part That's the church that's the body of Christ What's the Bible say that unity is like unity is like oil flowing down Aaron 's beard right The oil represents the Holy Spirit that when we come and work together in unity the Holy Spirit infuses and empowers that that's what we want amen amen let's stand up we're going to close with a song and Whichever one of you kids want the balloon, hit me on the way out the door. But let's sing. Go ahead.
1: And come thou fountain of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of Teach me some melodious song, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, Mount of God's unchanging love. Here I raise my Ebenezer. I'm right. Oh, to grace, oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, by my to wander Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love here's my heart Lord take and seal it seal it for thy courts let's sing that verse again O to grace O to grace how great a debtor daily Let thy good like a fetter find my wandering heart to be prone to
0: You guys ready to have an amazing week? Yes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you have called us out from the world to be different from the world, to crucify ourselves and identify with you. Lord, I thank you that as we come together in a church service, it is the pinnacle of time, space, and matter, exalting and glorifying you. And we thank you that you allow us to be a part of that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. You guys have a great week.